Shane from Change the Law. This is an episode of Mind Matters, Navigating Head Injuries and Concussions. I'm here with John, one of the brain injury and concussion attorneys here at Shane Smith Law. For all of our listeners, and if you can hit like and subscribe uh, to see future episodes of Mind Matters, we'd appreciate it. Uh, John, what are we talking about today here? So Shane, uh, thank you for the introduction. We're going to be talking about some of the long-term effects that we see are uh, clients diagnosed with brain injuries experience and suffer. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really a focus on how TBIs can lead to long-term hurdles and cognitive impairments. So what's the timeline we're looking at here? When does sort of long-term begin and when is short-term? So the, the latest and greatest studies from some of the uh, specialists that we see present that, you know, are kind of the nation's leaders in brain injuries say that, you know, after about six months, if okay. those brain injury symptoms have not gone away, unfortunately they are probably permanent. So you're stuck with it. So six months is a pretty clear marker. If you're not better by six months, you got problems. You have problems and they are, to be clear, um, not curable. Uh, brain injuries and brain injury symptoms that pass that mark are not curable. They are treatable. They can go up and down in terms of improvement or getting worse, but um, they will typically be there. So, so I was going to say, what's what's treatable mean versus curable? I mean, curable makes me think it goes away totally. What's treatable mean? What what's that going to do for me? Treatable means that you um, engage in cognitive therapy. Um, sometimes it can be vestibular therapy. Um, you may see a, a specialist or a neuropsych that specializes in this area of, of the body and they may give you some you know, memory exercises. It really depends on which part of the brain you injure um, and what executive function they call it the uh, brain is responsible for. So if you injure the part of your brain that is associated with memory, the therapist or neurologist may give you, honestly, we see, honestly, see where our clients are given puzzles to do. Really? Okay. Um, sometimes if you're, it's also your memory, we see our clients will place post-it notes all over their house okay. um, to be like, you know, turn off the burner. Um, remember, uh, your sister's phone number is this phone number, and it's it's almost like occupational therapy where it helps you, give you the tools you need to succeed in an already hard world that just got harder for All the right. person with a brain injury. So, so treatable means they're going to give me stuff to help help deal with it, and sometimes it may be worse, sometimes it may be better. I mean. Is that medicine? Is that, that coming to play too? Can they give you some medicine or is it all just these tips and techniques or, or maybe some physical therapy? It can absolutely be medicine too and that ranges the entire spectrum that we see some things that help. Um, sometimes we see anti-seizure seizure medication. Um, in addition to that, um, there's hyperbaric oxygen, oxygen chamber treatment. Um, even seeing magnets being used now, which we don't see a lot, but there is definitely um, a lot of additional treatment that you can seek in the form of therapy to treat the disease. So the short, short, I guess, to the point answer is if I'm outside of six months and I've got stuff still going on, I don't need to just accept it. I can get some kind of treatment to help me deal with it better. Absolutely. Um, and that's really what's encouraged by all the specialists because you really can improve your symptoms with active good follow-up care. Um, you know, there's therapy for everything. Some of our brain injury clients have um, 
injuries to their you know inner ear or suffering from ringing in the ear tinnitus um, and there's therapy for that as well sound therapy um, using uh, noise canceling uh, or white noise machines yeah. um, to help them sleep because some of our brain injury clients say it's a deafening cicada or cricket sound well, in their ear that impacts their ability to sleep yeah um, so the, their doctors will prescribe them uh, white noise machines <laughs> yeah simple <laughs> solutions I was gonna say it makes me laugh just because uh, my wife and kid like white noise and, and have for years, you know, but mm -hmm. to think that I can get a prescription for one, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, if you don't know, though, and nobody tells you, hey, do this this coping mechanism, right, you don't know unless you just try to figure it out yourself. Absolutely. And figuring stuff out on your own with a brain injury is very difficult um, because your organizational skills are sometimes reduced, your memory is reduced, you miss appointments. A lot of people, and this is the saddest part, Shane, honestly, about brain injuries is that they don't always make the best patients or therapy candidates because they either forget about appointments or don't want to do the appointments or they're suffering from depression from the brain injury so it's hard to get out of bed to go do the appointments. So compliance is a real issue and unfortunately all that does is make their life even harder because they're not doing the therapy. So this is where we beg family and friends and spouses to really step up to the plate and help them if they are lucky enough to have that sort of safety net. I was going to say, I, I personally have known clients with a brain injury and it affected their emotional aspect. And uh, I talked to a doctor who's not a brain injury doctor. He was a regular doctor trying to help this person. He said, I don't want to see him anymore. He's a psycho. You know, he yells and screams at my staff. He does all this kind of stuff because he didn't used to be this way. This is a, this is a, like you say, one of the issues of dealing with brain injured people, right? They're very emotional sometimes. Absolutely. If, if you want to work and thrive in, in this space and help people, patience has got to be your best friend. Yeah. Because for that exact story that you just shared, um, you know, anyone that works in this space has, you know, just as many stories to share about how difficult it can be sometimes. Because yeah. um, from the perspective of a brain injured client, they don't understand why stuff is not the same. Okay. Um, and that's so often why we have to reach out to family and friends and really get to know our clients so that we can kind of see how they were before the accident and how they were after the accident. Um, and sometimes the, the client who has the brain injury cannot tell us that directly or is not a, what we call a reliable narrator yeah. of their own condition or story. So we have to reach out to the spouse to understand just how different they are. And, and I know that's one of the things we've, we've done for a long time when we suspect a brain injury is you know, send one one of our forms to the client, but then we try to send another one to a family member or a friend to see what they say. Because like you say, sometimes they don't know or they get mad and just throw it, you know, wide up and throw it away. They don't want to cooperate or, or it makes them sad to think about how things are different, I guess. Absolutely, yeah, because you sending the forms to multiple people, it's really the only way sometimes we can get the full picture. Uh, and, and I can't tell you the number of times where we're talking to somebody and they say, well, my spouse wants to talk to you, and the spouse gets on and tells a totally different story of what's going on with the person. Right, absolutely. I've seen that so many times throughout my career dealing with these types of cases. Is um, it's, it's, it's like a night and day situation when you talk to someone close to them versus their account of what's happening. So what are some of the other long-term symptoms we should be looking for? Absolutely. So we see, besides the memory issues, we're also now seeing um, issues with attention deficits, um, general cognitive impairment. Um, also, uh, there's quite a few, and this is kind of the scary one, there's quite a few studies out there now showing 
and, and pretty reliable too on a sample size showing that if you have sustained a concussion or a brain injury, you are two to four times more likely to, uh, to develop uh, early onset Alzheimer's and wow. dementia. So, you know, when we ask for very large amounts of money to compensate our clients, it's because we have to keep all these things in mind. It's not just their medical bills, it's what they're gonna face in the future. I mean, can you put a price on on losing your consciousness and your memories and everything, all the terrible things that come with dementia and Alzheimer's, which is a lot of people's worst fear. Right, yeah. Um, can you put a price tag on that? Or what's it? what would it be like to lose six years because you have early onset Alzheimer's? I mean, it's hard to put a price on those things. And yeah. that's kind of what we're, our responsibility as attorneys is to do. And I mean, yeah, I mean, because, and you ask the spouse, right? What's it gonna be like? I mean, every everything I know about it when somebody has Alzheimer's, it gets one, if you just take out the emotional aspect of it, right? That the spouse just lost the person who can't even remember them anymore. What about the care and feed, you know, care and medical care and feeding and handling and helping of that person gets exorbitantly expensive, right? I mean, it's... Absolutely, that's why we really um, enlist really good what's called life care planners. Um, because all those intangible and tangible things need to be itemized. Um, because, you know, sometimes these people that sustain brain injuries, you know, their impairments are so severe that they need uh, an assistant, a medical assistant. They need someone to help them just organize their lives. And so we really have to do due diligence to kind of know how their future earning potentials are going to be impacted. Um, maybe they were a high performing CEO who can only work half the hours a week, you know, so we have to be able to itemize all these things so we truly can get full justice for our clients. What about when, when family, you know, when we're talking to our clients about that and you talk about the medical assistant or the nurse or somebody to help take care of this, what about the family member who says, well, I'm just gonna take care of my spouse, that's what I'm supposed to do. And how does that impact a, a settlement or, or what you do with the insurance company? Right, absolutely. So, um, you know, there's types of claims called loss of consortium claims and we see them a lot with TBI clients because you know, essentially, the only victims are not just the people that sustained a brain injury. All of a sudden, unfortunately, they become somewhat of, in some instances, a burden to a spouse. Now the spouse is not only juggling four kids and trying to work a job or a part-time job, but they now have an additional role to fulfill in the house because they're making up for their spouse's loss of contribution to the household, loss of maintaining the house. They'd become a medical assistant. They'd become a secretary because they're keeping up with the person's, you know, appointments and treatments and therapy and everything else. Um, so it's a tremendous loss for the entire family unit. And that's, that's certainly something that we as attorneys take very seriously when we're trying to itemize and figure out how to make someone whole again is you got to look at the whole picture. So what would you tell our listeners that they should be looking out for after that six month mark? What, what are the key things to be looking out for? Absolutely. So um, I mentioned kind of attention deficit uh, disorders. You know, there's now studies uh, where they looked at about 12,000 plus minor children um, who had sustained brain injuries and saw a huge uptick in the development of ADHD okay. um, from a brain injury. So that's one thing. Uh, minor TBIs are harder sometimes to document and know the extent of, but at least in minors, you can look for things like inattentiveness and ADHD. Um, and then, of course, dealing with that 
from a medical standpoint is gonna be the appropriate path there. Also, um, another big thing uh, is the emotional changes um, that we see. We've had, um, we've seen where spouses of brain injured clients say that it's like they're now married to a stranger. Wow. And, and you just think about that and it kind of gives you chills. It's, it's devastating to think that a, you know, you, the person you married is not the same person. Yeah, no, that's, I think that's my wife's nightmare, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, something happens and for her it's memory, you know, that I would just forget everything. But also, I mean, your personality change, you're a different person, right? I mean, you go from a smart, caring, loving husband to an angry person or a depressed person or now you're not a self-starter anymore. I mean, all these things can happen, right? Absolutely, and we've seen you mention angry. We've literally, and these were some hard conversations with our clients where, you know, the, the person who sustained the brain injury before the accident was kind of mild-mannered, soft-spoken, very kind and patient, and then post-brain injury uh, would snap at the smallest thing, would yell at the children, would yell at the spouse. It, it has a transformative effect and sometimes not in a good way. No, um, and, so. and, and you think, how does this impact the spouse, the family, the person? Um, the sad truth is that it affects a lot of relationships and uh, probably increases the likelihood, likelihood that that relationship fails eventually. Wow. Um, anything else in the long-term effects you would tell our listeners to be looking out for, be ready for? You know, those are the, the big ones, honestly, that we see a lot of. Um, besides just the typical ones like continued headaches and sensitivity to light, but those are pretty straightforward that the neurologist can, can identify long-term. But the ones we discussed here today are the main ones that you know, it really helps for family and friends to keep an eye on past that six-month mark. So if I'm still sensitive to light at, at six months, definitely should be, I mean, you would have told me to be seeing a neurologist already, but I should certainly, somebody needs to take me to the doctor. Without question. Okay. Uh, John, thanks for being on the show today. Uh, I think it's important to talk to our listeners about the long-term effects, right? And some of those triggers that say you got a serious problem. And the fact that once you cross the six-month mark, I mean, that you're stuck with it. You know, it's, we can manage it, but it's probably not going to go away. Uh, is awful to hear, but also important information, I would say, for our listeners. Um, for our listeners out there, if you like uh, navigating head injuries and concussions, hit like and subscribe down below. And hit the bell for notifications for our next podcast update. Uh, and remember, if you're in pain, call Shane, 980-999-9999. And if you've got a head injury question um, or you've been in a car accident and you suffered a head injury, uh, John would love to talk to you and see if he can help. In pain, so I call Shane, 980-999-9999. In pain, call Shane.